0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also like how Elliot tries to, like, get the gun from him, and he's just very easily, like,
1: put down. Yeah, he's a bitch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David.
0: And this is Alon. And I finally watched Who's Harry Crumb?
1: So, I haven't seen this movie in probably two decades, but before that, I've probably watched it, you know, somewhere between 20 and 50 times. Um, most people who like love John Candy are probably like, Wait, what is this movie? Or why do you like that one? As opposed to like, uh, Uncle Buck or, you know, any of another number of choices. And when I wanted to do this, I was like, you know, there's probably like a, a 50-50 shot that Alan will like this. And then I started watching it and I was like, you know, what? it's more like, a 10 to 25% chance that you would like it. And I think this movie is like a perfect microcosm of like what this podcast was intended to be because I love this movie. But watching it today, if it was the first time I would have watched it, I would have been like, this is trash. Um,
0: When you said 20 years since you've seen it, it seems about right to how these jokes have aged. (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i just i'm i'm usually pretty open-minded in like the world of comedy i I, there's very few things that i would find unfunny and don't get me wrong there's definitely moments in this film that had me laughing pretty hard but they came like maybe once every hour and this is an hour and a half movie okay
1: (laughs) One and
0: a half laughs. One, One and a half laughs sounds about right. And you know what's strange too is I found the pacing of this movie so odd. It, it, in the fact that it was just like, in the beginning I thought, this is going to be kind of like an Uncle Buck sort of um, uh, comedy. Um, and, and the thing is, is that once it was opening up and it was like, centered around this kidnapping and it was like crumb and crumb detective agency I was like oh okay this is like a naked gun sort of type of feel and I really like that right so I was like I was like getting myself excited and then about five ten minutes into the movie I was like okay this is pretty funny this is like pretty good and then it just was like I don't know, like boring, like outright, like slow. And I was just like waiting for the next joke and it just wasn't coming. So I don't know how you felt about not only the comedy, but just kind of the way the this movie is paced out.
1: It's funny is I a lot of the jokes this time I was like, oh, I probably didn't even catch that that was a joke. Uh the first time I watched this. Cause when I watched this when I was a kid, so you know, if I haven't watched it in 20 years, it was probably like 14 or 15 the last time I watched it. But I started watching this movie very young. It came out like two years after I was born, and I'd say I probably watched it around when I was like five or six, because it was one of my dad's movies that he watched all the time. It was like it was one of those ones that was in the VHS cabinet um that we had. Gotcha. And Uh, I think a lot of the jokes probably went over my head, like the kind of the subtle, like satire jokes. It was like way more apparent to me this time that he was a horrible detective in the beginning. (laughs) Right. Which also makes the, the turn because there is like a specific turn in this movie where you're all of a sudden like, Oh no, this guy's, I guess good at his job. And I didn't, you know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't understand that.
0: So, you know, I was, (laughs) I'm watching this and I think I know what you're saying, but then also I think maybe, and, and we'll find out once we kind of break, break down the movie, but I think it's only because the villain is as stupid as he is. And that's the only way it would work. Yes. Um, (laughs) and, and for that, like, like there were jokes in here that I didn't quite understand why they were in here. And an early example of that is he has this orange tree in his office. Right. And it had it had me like kind of chuckle at it. And I- but I was just like overall, like, why? And so he has this orange tree <laughs> in his office. And the lady that hired him to take pictures of her husband cheating on her comes in. And the pictures are actually of her. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's her just having sex with her husband, right? Yes. OK, it's not. OK. So anyways, um, oranges just keep falling out of his orange office tree and like landing on him, landing on the desk, landing in front of her. To which she was like, is this tree diseased? And he was like, no, why? And I was like, "Okay, that's I guess like as far as prop comedy goes, it's pretty funny. But there was no reason for the joke to be there. And therefore, it wasn't so much funny as like I felt like the fact that he just took pictures of her having sex with her husband was the joke. So I didn't understand why on top of that you had to have oranges fall on their head.
1: Well, and it's funny is because I read this and I was like, I don't know if that's giving the movie more credit than it deserves. But from what I read, the reason that it's an orange tree is an homage to Chinatown. Because of like the orange groves that he, you know, drives into in the one point when he gets, I believe when he gets shot at or he gets like yeah kind of like captured at one point. Right. So it's an, you know, cause this is a private eye movie. That's a private eye movie. And so this is, A little bit, kind of like a uh, yeah. I get your point of this is kind of like a um, a naked gun type send off, but it's like not exactly that. It is different. Like the tone is weird.
0: Well, like when you do a spoof, right? Like a naked gun or an airplane. There's a lot of room. I mean, I would even say like take epic movie for example or scary movie for example, right? There's a lot of room to just bring in random shit just for the sake of like making a reference to whatever the spoof is of right right but this isn't a direct spoof like you said that maybe there's an homage to pi films down the line but this is its own story that seems pretty linear so when you do just bring in random shit it's kind of jarring at least like to me it was
1: Right, and it also it, the, the what you think this movie is going to be from the beginning, and it is a little bit, but not exactly to that extent, is kind of like those like accidental spy movies, like a Mr. Magoo type where it's like they're horrible at something, but for some reason they keep being successful. Like, And in the end, that kind of happens here, but it doesn't have those, that same like tone of those movies where it's like you're in on it the whole time. And you're like, oh, there he goes again, like figuring (laughs) out, but not really. You know what I mean? Right. It just doesn't seem to to make as much sense. Like it plays it too straight, really.
0: So, okay. So when we start out the movie, right, we have this like kidnapping. And it's done in this very odd way where it's like the credits and it's this song. It's very 80s feel to it. And you have this woman undressing. You have a lot of like implications and silhouettes and stuff like that. Just to and I was like, okay, what is the tone of this movie where is this going And then she's being covered in this like it's mud but it looks like peanut butter sort of thing.
1: yes and as a child I was very confused as to what that was but also <laughs> uh tantalized right
0: of course um there's there's this weird feeling when the boots from the kidnapper comes in to the thing because you're like, oh, at first, I thought, is this a medical procedure? And then the boots, like the nurse is like prepping her and then the boots are like the doctor. I was like, that's weird. But then I I quickly caught what was happening once the chloroform started coming in. But um, that whole thing, I was like, okay, this is a crime comedy, which I'm totally down for. Then inter the the guy from Ferris Bueller's Day Off right and I was like oh he's hilarious he's gonna be really funny and he he is really funny so when he starts like talking up Harry Crumb and his lineage of like spies right and then you find out that he's out in the midwest um and in his like sector well first he's trying to take pictures of of this woman's cheating husband and the way he does it is so ass nine but you just heard how great of of us of a spy he of a pi he is that i was like wait okay is 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 he like mr magoo where he is an idiot but he gets the job done And then people don't know he's an idiot. People just assume, oh, he's great because he gets the job done. And then you realize, oh, that's the, the guy's a villain. And that's why he was tucked up in, you know?
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, you do. I mean, that guy plays an asshole in everything. Uh, one thing I heard, uh, read, there's not much on this movie because of how well it didn't do, but, uh, (laughs) John Larroquette was supposed to play that role. um, Which this guy's good in it. You know, he he obviously has like some baggage from, you know, uh, some some of his personal life that's come out since then. So it's weird to see him now, this and Ferris Bueller. But um, I would have loved John Larroquette would have been great in this role, like I think slightly better.
0: I mean, yeah, John Larroquette would have been would have been good in it. But I think there's just something about seeing this guy's face in the 80s that you're just like it's really satisfying to see him like eat shit, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I I think it's also, it makes it easier to realize what's going on. Not that they hide it, right? Um, But I also like, I really love, there's like a couple of different scenes in here. uh, Some that don't hold up as well to like 2022 scrutiny, but there's some scenes in here that are like, like just seared into my head as far as like the great parts of this movie. And I love for no reason does he do it, but I love him swinging back and forth on like the, uh, the window washing like rig that, you know, people use on tall buildings uh, to get these pictures. And I also love like the running gag of like, he can't see the pictures he's taking and he never looks at them before he hands them to people. Like he just like, doesn't have the time apparently. Right. Um, But I also love when he like, like the husband and wife that are in the other apartment who are arguing and are like, you know, I know someone's in here. I know they're having sex with you and they're probably sitting in my chair for him to like fall in and like land in the chair. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but I, I, yeah, you know, I, I think That first scene gives you a really good idea of what this the rest of the movie is. And it's this like really on the nose jokes that are paired with this like prop comedy and slapstick comedy, Um, which I think were very big in the 80s. But you were saying that this movie didn't do well.
1: Uh, No, yeah, it didn't do that great as far as the amount of money it made.
0: But I've um, heard of this movie before. Like I've heard people talking about this movie before. I've just never Was it me? <laughs> maybe maybe it was you. No, I feel like I've I've seen this movie in the company of movies like Airplane and Uncle Buck, you know, but I've never taken the time to find out more about this i mean i literally went in this quite blind and um you you know the parts that have aged really poorly in this movie and i think you were hinting at is his disguises right
1: yeah yeah a couple of them
0: and it reminded me of a really bad master of disguise and the movie master of disguise is just
1: really bad but you know, I'll let you, I'll let you say a lot of things, but how dare you?
0: <laughs> how dare I compare this to Master of Disguise? No, no, no. This is on par, if not worse, in some regard.
1: Go fuck yourself. Uh,
0: okay. At least Dana Carvey has, like, he's Turtle. from. Is he not Turtle enough from the Turtle Club? Okay?
1: No, absolutely not. Um, You already talked about the woman in the disease tree, but I... T- <laughs> it's so stupid, but he's afterwards he's like i knew you were up to something it was you having an affair with your husband the whole time and she's like are you fucking idiot (laughs) yeah
0: another running joke that i found actually genuinely funny through this movie is he keeps using the wrong like phrases and metaphors at the wrong time or like meta or like phrases that don't even make sense
1: so you you appreciating that is not shocking (laughs)
0: No, but he's the, the the cop comes in and she's like, you're you, <laughs> sorry, this is the funny. This is probably the funniest line in the whole fucking movie, OK? Where she goes, your reputation precedes you. <laughs> and he goes, yes, I am known for my reputation. If it didn't precede me, it would be through the door before me.
1: The other part I like. So he he gets called into the home office, which is. It's funny that he gets, like, kicked to the, like, outskirt. He gets kicked to Tulsa, Oklahoma, instead of, like, the L.A. office. Um, And he, you know, they show a plane flying in, but then you see, like, he's actually been bussed in. Like, they won't pay for him to fly. Right. Um, But I love, like, the office setup. I think it's pretty cool. Like, it's it's obviously, like, a long game where they're setting up, like, he's going to destroy Elliot Drayson's office. But i love when he gets to see it like the shredder that he gets stuck in the bike and all the other like just random shit in there the pencil sharpener that just works too well right right <laughs> like there's like a lot of detail like whoever like put the work in on this movie like to set up that office did a great job um but then he immediately he like meets Jason, but he assumes it's the other guy and the other guy speaks like Thirty languages, and he just keeps going. Aha! Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Another funny joke was he—he he was speaking, I think Cantonese to him or Mandarin, and there were subtitles over him speaking uh, the the language. And then John Candy was like, "Sure, sure." And there were subtitles for "Sure, sure." And I was like, "Okay, that's pretty funny."
1: Right. Um, also like then he he starts like saying he's like oh did you uh, drayson's like did you bring the file with you? he's like i haven't it memorized it's like the only thing missing is not a single mention of the jewelry and he's like what are you talking about this is a kidnapping." he's like oh, i knew that i'm gonna let you go <laughs> because like one thing that this movie does i think decently well in the beginning is set up like this and it, it never kind of wavers from this, except for like a little bit in some of like the more like, I guess, kind of sweet moments between him and Nikki, like the daughter, uh, the daughter that hasn't been kidnapped, but he has this confidence about himself that seems unwavering.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think uh, the best parts of the movie is when, when him and Nikki are paired up. Um, however, that's kind of when I started having trouble keeping up with the pacing of the movie. It's funny because she's like kind of darling and, and it works like the dynamic between them uh works, but the movie drastically slows down. And I don't know if it slows down to set up the whole stepmother running away with the tennis player, or if it slows down to give Nikki and, and John Candy more time. Like more screen time together, but um, the did it feel dragging? The part where they were spying on them in the hot tub with like the the viewfinder periscopes.
1: Um, I mean that seems like two minutes long, so not particularly.
0: No, but I meant like like leading up to that. To you know, like kind of just the scene surrounding them following the stepmom was just I felt dragged.
1: I mean, and not to me. I can I mean I guess maybe I can see that, but no, I didn't I didn't think it was it's an hour and a half movie. So I didn't think anything dragged. Real quick before we move on, though, I do love the uh, this pterodactyl egg. There's only two that exist. And he goes, Hey, just to let you know that may be worth something.
0: Okay. Another thing that I had wrong with the movie is that if he was actually desperate for money, why doesn't he just sell his pterodactyl egg?
1: He also runs what seems to be a very profitable business. Uh, Like a business that can allow him to hobnob with like super rich la people right he's friends with this guy yeah so so why does he need 10 million yeah yeah that's a nitpick yeah i agree with that
0: i have another nitpick towards the end of the movie but we'll get there when we get there so um
1: is it about airport security
0: (laughs) it's it's exactly about airport security. It's about how one guy can bring a gun. No, no, let's,
1: let's hold off. Let's hold off. We we both have the same question. Okay. Um, so he goes to the the mansion of the guy whose daughter, uh, Mr. Downing, uh, PJ. His daughter's been kidnapped. Um, there's a jacking it joke in the beginning because he gets his pants wet. Um, I really love the scene with the fish. Like this whole introduction with this this millionaire who's like, in normal life would be like, who the fuck is this guy? And immediately fire him. Right.
0: But this guy is so um, like desperate and he's taking uh, Elliot's word to heart that he's like having the utmost patient. Um, the funniest joke for me was when he was putting the bamboo fishing rod together and he's like, I see, you know, you're bamboo. And then he snaps it in half and he goes, it's my job to know bamboo.
1: <laughs> I love the fish on the finger that he then throws perfectly on the framed photo of a fish. yeah you would um and i also love the uh he's like oh elliot drayson highly recommended you and he's like oh he sounds like a smart man i'd love to meet him and he's like didn't he send you (laughs) yeah oh yes yes
0: is it just because he forgets who he is like by name
1: probably probably which is like you know he says he's detail oriented but obviously not um and then the dartboard too. He like throws darts very well, but then of course breaks it and me like you know breaks it and it falls and hits shit. Uh the other thing that I remember now about why I like I liked this movie so much is I was very attracted to Nikki Downing when I first watched this. <laughs> yeah. And now that I've grown up, I'm like, you know, yeah, she's she's very pretty. But that Helen Downing, the stepmother? Oof. Yeah. Oof. Like and we haven't even gotten to Jennifer which is supposed to be the most beautiful one but i don't know
0: i i don't know yeah i i don't know but it's funny with Jennifer it's like the first time you see her she's literally undressing before you you see like a naked silhouette of her and you have all these like images from the opening credits of her and then the rest of the movie she's like beat up in a cage <laughs> and then um But you have this like one photograph, which we'll get to later. But she looks like like really, really pretty in that in that photograph. And it's funny, too, because it pairs it with uh, what's the younger sister name? Nikki. Nikki. Yeah. It pairs it with Nikki being like, oh, Jennifer's always been the more beautiful one. I'm not jealous of her or anything, but she's always been the most attractive one. And it's like, well, okay, but like every single You know, it's so funny. Taylor said this because she watched it with me. She said, it's funny how every single woman in this movie is beautiful and every guy in this movie does not have a jawline.
1: (laughs) I think uh, I think Vince is a pretty good looking dude.
0: The tennis instructor.
1: Yeah, he's older.
0: Yeah, I guess he he would be like the only one. But obviously he's the one having to like (laughs) having having an affair with the stepmother, you know?
1: Right, right. Um, so after this, we get the first uh, dress in disguise. He dresses as a Hungarian, like vice president of the place where she got kidnapped.
0: The 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 Hungary spa. Yeah,
1: Sook, yeah, Suki's Hungarian salon, and he dresses as someone who's from Budapest. <laughs> like when he says his name. And she's like, can you spell that? And he goes, I don't think so. It starts with the D. My my favorite
0: line is when he goes, I'm from Budapest. And she goes, oh, hungry? And he goes, no, thanks. I ate on the way
1: here. <laughs> I mean, that's a classic Leslie Nielsen joke. <laughs> um,
0: and maybe that's why I thought it was funny.
1: And then also the uh, losing his chest hair that like then looks like the woman's pubic hair, but then immediately like pulling it back up and putting it on as a beard
0: oh you you look different something different about you he's like no your eyes must be playing tricks on you
1: um and then i just love to this is this is a naked gun moment where they just for no reason play tic-tac-toe on the woman getting the mud bath
0: (laughs) The, the see i could i could almost like be okay with that because i was like okay that's kind of funny in a in a in a naked gun sort of way, but then he rubs her stomach and smacks it a few times before leaving the room. And I was like, Oh God, don't do that.
1: (laughs) Right. Um, and then, well, I mean, I don't know if we need to talk about the plot of this, but you find out that the daughter took the stepmom's appointment. Um, but I mean, it's revealed very early on, like what's actually going on in this movie. So it's not a surprise. Like, you know, that, um, Jeffrey Jones, who plays Elliot Drayson, he's the one who's orchestrated this kidnapping. And the stepmom isn't a part of the kidnapping, but she's also just trying to kill the dad. So I don't think plot-wise you need to talk about any of it.
0: We're finally introduced to the cop, uh, the detective, that I think Elliot mentioned, or PJ, I think PJ mentioned it to Elliot that um, she's working on the case, but he he'd rather have like a PI um, working for him than like, um, I think it's because of the amount of attention that a PI could give versus like a, a cop, right. Who's on the city dime. It's weird too, because it's not like she's a love interest to Harry crumb, but when we introduce to her, we start like on her feet and it's this like weird pan up her legs to her. Um, but She's just this, like, very straightforward, like, down to business woman who, like, finds Harry Crumb as a complete joke. And she tries to warn PJ. She's like, oh, these PIs, they try to steal steal your money and, you know, they're, you know, whatever, whatever. And it's kind of funny that she says that about Harry Crumb when in reality, Elliot is, <laughs> is literally trying to steal his money.
1: Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's funny. She does happen to be right that she's like, you know, I find most of them. I have a theory that most are like lazy and incompetent. And his response is, well, it's just a theory.
0: <laughs> but this is the part where uh, she goes, oh, Harry Crumb. And he's like, oh, you know me by name. And she is like, yes, your reputation precedes you.
1: Right, right. Um, I also, like his first thing is like, you know, I know so much about this letter. And she's like, what do you know? And he's like, well. If you find the person who has this crazy typewriter, you'll find your kidnapper. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And then we get Drayson making a pass at the wife, and we find out that they have a history together, and she's basically like, listen, I'm interested in money right now, so that's what you can provide me. Um, and then you get back to dinner, and they're making Coke floats, which... Uh, Oh, one thing I wanted to bring up in the beginning, and this connects to that, is, so do you ever, like, when you watch these old movies, you see, like, the production company, like, logos and little things before the movie, and you're like, oh, dude, I missed that. And, like, TriStar with the horse coming in at the beginning was one of those ones that you used to see all the time, and I was like, oh, I like that one.
0: Yeah, hmm
1: Well, so TriStar was owned by, I looked this up afterwards because I was like, I don't see TriStar very often anymore. And at this point in its life, it was owned by I think Columbia, who was owned by Coke. So that's why there was all the Coke product placement.
0: Like he's on the bus, they're making Coke floats. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I once it, yeah, I just I miss the TriStar like logo coming in. Like that was one of my favorites. So there's like a bunch of those from my childhood that you're just like, oh, now like three studios own everything, so you don't get to see those anymore. It's it's true. <laughs> um I do like the footsie scene where the wife, like, you know, uses her foot to rub on Harry. He tries to do it back, but instead hits Drayson, who then thinks the cop is doing it to him, so he does it to the cop.
0: That was one of the few actually funny
1: moments that I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, But then afterwards, like, she's like, oh, Mr. Drayson, what's wrong with you? And the PJ, the, the millionaire, is like, well, I think there's just probably some miscommunication here. It's like and then she the cop just lets it go and you're like, Well what? <laughs> like she knows what happened.
0: Yeah, but what miscommunication is he talking about?
1: Exactly. It doesn't make any sense. It's just sort of a line to like move past the scene, really.
0: And why was Elliot looking all like really drunk?
1: I think he got drunk once um the stepmom didn't like you know take his advances oh, okay like, nah, i want money
0: mm hmm mm hmm he should have mentioned his uh priceless pterodactyl egg
1: yeah i don't know like that thing has to be worth like close to, i mean maybe not in the late 80s but now that if you had a one of two pterodactyl egg that would be worth probably close to 10 million
0: I- yeah, if, if, but that's not, the, I mean, he's a killer dog skeleton too. No, but um, he, uh, he, what's funny about Elliot's character is that he's, for the most part, this kind of background guy, right? He is there at the house, um, but he doesn't really need to be there at the house unless you're advancing the plot point for, he knows the stepmother, you know?
1: Yeah. But also I think he's just become somewhat of like a family friend, like a confidant. So that's probably why. Um, Right after this, we get where Nikki and Crumb start working together and he's like, tells her, you know, one cannot kidnap oneself saying that, like, I think the stepmom is in on this. Right. Um, But then we find out that actually the stepmom is just trying to kill PJ, the dad, um, and Crump says he can read lips, but he cannot. That, that part may drag. I do love the part with the little kid in the fan.
0: Uh, okay. Well, okay. Uh, the only part that I found funny about that is, um is him sliding down the roof and then he gets onto the, the skylight and he's like, no, 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 I'm okay now. I got a good grip on it. And it's just, it just turns over. And I was like, okay, that's pretty fucking funny.
1: It was. And then like, it doesn't show him sling off the fan. It just shows him walk out of the building with like food all over himself. And he's like super dizzy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that. And then he goes to Drayson. he's like, well, Helen Downing, she's having an affair with Vince and you can see Jason's like obviously like upset. He's like, Crumb's just like, yeah, she's a real slut. <laughs> and he just keeps getting more and more mad.
0: <laughs> I, I This movie is very like dramatic and exaggerative and I'm sad that it, he didn't go into more detail about her having an affair and her being a slut because I would have loved for him to get really explicit with it. And for Elliot just to get more and more mad like that, I felt like that was a missed opportunity. I was like, Oh, what is he going to say about her next? And it just, you, you don't get anything until like the next scene when he confronts him. He's like, Oh yeah, they, they, um, they were having sex in, in his apartment or, or whatnot. Right.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I, um, But also in this scene, this is the point where I think there's a little bit of a turn where before Harry was kind of just a bumbling idiot, a Magoo type. And Drayson says something like, oh, you better watch yourself because like, what if you become like, you know, the criminals start coming after you? And he's like, oh, I have a black belt in Aikido. And then he does like a backflip that's obviously fake, but like, if real is very impressive. Right. And you're like, oh, so he's not a complete moron. And from there, it sort of switches a little bit.
0: Okay, please describe to me where it switches, because for me, Harry Crumb is a type of guy who has like maybe three very specific skill sets. And then the rest of the time, he's a complete moron. He apparently can play darts like a champ. He can do a backflip like no one else. And he can hear like the faintest sounds from afar. But other than that, I don't really see him becoming a detective genius halfway through the film.
1: So the next scene is where they have cut the brakes on PJ's car, but Crumb takes it instead so that he can follow Helen. And I, I do love the part where Vince is like, Oh my god, he's on me like glue, like he's too good, right? <laughs> right. Which I think is is it's not showing crumb being good, but it's showing other people thinking crumb is good, which is like a classic of these type of movies. Right. Um but next, and you know, he then tells PJ, who's uh, you know, PJ's like, oh, Nikki, you shouldn't be bothering him. He's like, no, she's been invaluable, which PJ's like, oh, maybe I've underestimated my daughter. And I was like, it's your fucking daughter. Like, what's wrong with you? But when he gets to the Bombay Bombay air conditioning scene, which I fully admit in 2022 is probably offensive
0: fun fact somehow uh dana carvey and master of disguise also did a very uh racist disguise as an
1: indian not surprising <laughs> so but the fact that he's able to talk his way past this guy who is like no you're not coming in here and he's immediately like okay well these people are hot and they're blaming you and they're talking about getting you fired and the guy's like oh well, okay fine get up there and that he's able to get directly to where he needs to, I think is somewhat impressive. The fact that he mishears a television show uh, being what he thinks is Vince and the stepmom plotting is <laughs> where he becomes magooish again. Um, but what I think is funny about this, and it's maybe something I didn't notice before now, but he hears the TV say, oh, we're going to go to Buenos Aires. <laughs> and uh, Elliot hears Buenos Aires too. And he's like, "Oh, Buenos Aires, not a bad idea." So, it, like, just ends up working out for him, right? Like that—that that plot contrivance—it ties the entire end of the movie together.
0: But that's what I'm talking about, right? It's just he so happens just by by chance and by luck to to come to that conclusion the same way Elliot would. Uh but I, I don't think like we've seen him do disguises before that's like kind of his stick right right so him talking his way through and climbing the air ducts i don't think that gives it like i wouldn't com- call that a complete character turnaround
1: i didn't say it was complete my friend i said it like was beginning
0: okay then when does it complete
1: uh i'd say at the end when he kicks the shit out of the dude on the plane with the gun
0: his shoes fly off. <laughs> he,
1: he kicks his shoe off.
0: See, that's what I was wondering, too. Did he purposely use his shoes against the guy with the gun? Or did he like he did his fucking shoe slip off and it just so happens to knock the guy out?
1: He did it because afterwards he says and the boots to match.
0: Oh, OK. I guess you have to give our main character like one cool, like purposeful thing at the end. Right.
1: Yeah, one thing that was confusing to me is like, and maybe this is an 80s thing, but the names on the wall of the building, I was like, that's normally like an office building thing. Mm -hmm. The way it was like, oh, he's in unit nine. Like, I wouldn't want people to know, like to walk into the bottom and be able to know exactly where I am. So I was always confused as to what type of building this was. The same with like the apartment, I guess, in the beginning. I was like, is that a hotel? But he went to like no that was an apartment where the the woman was having an affair with her husband so it's like some of these things like i was a little bit confused on
0: okay yeah i see what you're saying about the the name chart at in the in the lobby of an apartment complex is weird
1: yeah it's just not something you i've ever you know i've been to a lot of apartments in my life i've never seen it so
0: but you know Um, it could have just been a way to just have it so plot was driven so that he just so like then it's like this it's like you're gonna either complain about the the placard in the lobby or you're gonna complain on how he knew which which room the guy was in
1: yeah I'm sure you could just have Nikki be like all right so he's in nine <laughs>
0: <laughs> right um the other funny uh part and you mentioned that too is that when he was taking the pictures and he gave them to Elliot and it's him having the affair with the stepmom Um, it's that reoccurring joke where he again did not look at the pictures that he has taken.
1: It's also kind of a very rapey scene. Like, it's not something that would have been seen that way then, but like blackmailing a woman to have sex with you. Yeah. Um, not the best.
0: There's nothing opposing that I'm going to say about it because you're absolutely right.
1: (laughs) So he then goes to Drayson with the photos and once again, hasn't looked at the photos and shows them to him. And Drayson's just like sees pictures of himself having sex. And then he, I love he's like, yeah, I would have thought Vince would have been bigger. Look at that tiny thing.
0: But wait, how how does he know that? But he hasn't seen the photos.
1: I, I don't know. I guess he from his vantage point in the thing, he could just see the penis, but he couldn't see the face. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, I think we're about to talk about the bicycle scene. But before we move on to that, there's this scene where. Because Harry Crumb is in the AC vent, he's blocking it. And um, the stepmom asks Elliot to turn up the the air. So he puts it on like blast. Right. And all of a sudden, all the money and coins fly out of Harry Crumb's pocket. And one of the coins lands in the vent right next to the security guard in the lobby. Now, to me, I think it was badly paced. And maybe this is just the way comedy was paced back in the back in the 80s. But I think how I would have liked to see, and this is just a nitpick, but how I would have liked to see the scene is the guy hears something in the vent. He goes to it, the coin pops out. As soon as he goes, oh, it's my lucky day. You know, he should hear other um, coins coming and he's like getting ready. And then immediately John Candy fucking pops out and knocks him out of the vent. But it's this weird pacing where he like goes back to the TV and then. A minute later, like goes back to the vent, I was like, that's just like prolonged for no reason.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. No comments on that. OK, definitely, definitely agree.
0: Cool. I just want to make sure I'm not like the only one like being weird about it. But yeah, the, the comedy pacing was off on that one, I thought.
1: Yeah, I think it's just movies are quicker now. So, um, yeah, Uh, the bike scene is is like a pretty good setup and like a pretty good, uh, you know, payoff for a joke you're expecting from the get go. And he's like, oh, I wonder what this handle is. He's like, it's probably a break. He's like, "Ah, why would there be a break (laughs) after it destroys everything? He's like, you know what, Elliot? I think that was a break.
0: (laughs) Um, It's it's also weird too. how. I mean, obviously, this is like a this is a comedy. This isn't some sort of like. Great written story, you know, disguised as a comedy. This is just an all out. You know, made for laughs, but somehow the bike. Was the probably the deepest, most uh, detailed setup of the whole movie.
1: Yep. Yeah, I agree.
0: Like we see it in the beginning, it's mentioned a few times and then we get the payoff and it's like, yeah, it's it's. Almost the core of this movie, I would say
1: right now we get to the scene where they're gonna hand over the money uh the drayson said he wants it on friday the stepmom changes it to monday so then drayson has to call back in and say no we want it on friday um i like the scene where harry's just flipping through the money listening to it he's like all there all there one short and they're like, "There's no way." And then the cop counts it, and it's one short. And then he knows the butler, who we haven't talked about, but I love the butler in this. Right is like, he's like, "Okay, fine." And it's just like everyone accepts that he stole money that is going to save a girl's life, like the daughter's life, and he just stole it.
0: What's What's funny about that too is that uh, in a previous scene. PJ asks the butler for like a coffee and he just so reluctantly goes, oh, I guess everyone wants one too then, huh?
1: Right. <laughs> um, but one thing we haven't talked about. So Jennifer calls in and she says, Oh, I want the, he wants the money at the racetrack. He wants it today. The dude who actually did the kidnapping is super fucking creepy.
0: Well, that's kind of what I mean is like comparing the rest of this movie to the beginning of the movie. It seems weirdly toned because everything with the dude who actually did the kidnapping, who like physically did the kidnapping, seems like a villain from like a Criminal Minds episode.
1: Right. Yeah. Like very fucking weird. And also it's like because of how creepy he is, you're like, oh, has he done something to her? And they have this one line in there where Dracen's like, hey, remember, you can't do anything to her until we get the money and then whatever you want. Um, Yeah. And it seems like whatever he wants isn't sexual. It seems like he wants to, like, take her skin off or something.
0: Yeah. I mean, the movie goes to, like, extreme levels to, like, make this guy the creepiest villain ever. But also... Like, everyone in this fucking movie completely incompetent.
1: Right. And I also think, I mean, we just talk about it now. His eventually, like, because Harry Crumb's driving something in the airport or Nikki's driving it, it hits into something else, which knocks into a wall that hits this guy in a way that doesn't physically seem possible into, like, this electrical thing that shocks him. And I thought it would have been funnier if his death was, like, a lot more gruesome, because that's what you want for that character is... But it, it almost seems like like a kind of like a Home Alone shock. You know what I mean? Like in Home Alone when the bad guys get shocked, it seems like comical and they'll just like pull the thing off that's touching the electricity and like be fine.
0: Right. No. Like, and, and not only did it not make sense, but what I would have loved to see, and I, th- I think it would have been more true to the story, is Jennifer somehow getting out on her own fruition. You, you know what I mean? Like, OK, think about it this way. I'm going to talk about the end of the movie uh, a bit just to clarify what I mean. OK, so you have Jennifer, who is I, I first it made it seem like she was in a zoo. But now I guess she's in the airport,
1: right? She was in the zoo. And then but it seemed like not a big zoo. But she was in the zoo and then he moved her to the airport. But we don't know why.
0: Right. OK, so exactly. So we don't know why. But here's here's where it's even more confusing He catches the stepmom and and Vince is his name, right? The tennis instructor. Yeah, he catches the stepmom and Vince on the plane, leaving with the 10 million. Okay. He apprehends them in the very next scene. Jennifer runs up and like gives him a hug or like is hugging her sister. Right. Right. They are not the ones that kidnapped her. So how did she get out?
1: Yeah, because she's still what tied up, right? Yeah, I mean maybe she wasn't tied up enough, or maybe the airport people checked this building that got destroyed, right? Because that thing went through the wall.
0: I I guess I I just found the fact that he didn't even catch the person who kidnapped her initially, and yet she is she's safe now.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I get it. Um. So they go to the track. For some reason Harry Crumb decides to be dressed up like a jockey, which he's like four times the size of a jockey.
0: (laughs) Okay. As far as like physical, like like visual comedy goes, him trying to fit into the tiny phone booth was one of the fucking funniest things I've
1: seen. I was also like this time, like do tiny phone booths? Those don't exist, right? Those were (laughs) built for this movie. You
0: you think they build tiny phone booths for jockeys at at like
1: racetracks? No, I'm saying like those don't exist. (laughs) As a kid, I didn't know. I don't even know that I thought about it.
0: (laughs) Um, There's like a normal phone booth and then there's three small phone booths.
1: Yeah, it's honestly very progressive. You know? Oh, my God. Yeah. So, Drayson, then, Drayson takes off with the money after he convinces Crumb to give it to him. And Crumb's like, well, it doesn't matter because the flight to Buenos Aires is until 4. And at this point, he still doesn't know that Elliot is the bad guy. Right. And then Elliot gets rid of the tracker because he knows about it. Then he gets rid of the bag. And I love the scene when uh, the stepmom and, and Vince get in the garbage to find it. And they find it's empty. And she like throws it at his head for no reason, like this is somehow his fault. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Elliot calls Helen, is like, hey, I got the money, come to the airport. And she's like, Oh, I <laughs> just immediately that's all she wants. Um, and so this is where the the questions about airport security come in. I don't think you can bring $10 million into an airport today and not have someone be like, what is in that suitcase?
0: So a lot of it can be chalked up to like, this is before 9-11. And like, remember when you could like walk people all the way up to their gate? Yes. Right. Okay. I was okay with that. I was even okay with Vince having a gun. I was like, you know what? People have guns. It's not it's before 9-11. It's the 80s. Everyone was way more lax. I mean, you could take a trip to the Caribbean with your blockbuster ID card as your passport. Okay, like people didn't give a shit. Right. The thing that I had the most trouble with was when Harry Crumb comes to the airport and then you find out he has to go through a metal detector. And then you're thinking, wait, so Vince didn't need to go through a metal detector
1: yes yeah that's i mean first of all i had questions about the gun already i wasn't just like okay whatever but yeah then harry crumb keeps getting checked over and over again and i love too that he's like oh it's a metal plate and he's like turns to everyone and they're like it's a metal plate and they start booing and then he's like it doesn't hurt though and they're like oh okay okay
0: (laughs) i love how the 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 payoff of that is like he has absolutely no one in line behind him. And then when you come back to him and he's like half naked, there's just like 50 people behind him.
1: Right. The other thing is Vince is like, oh, Helen, you shouldn't talk so loud on the phone. I was like, there's no way you heard her.
0: He was in the shower, wasn't he?
1: Yeah. I was like, that's bullshit. And then also um, he immediately she's like, "Okay, well, Vince, I love you. And he's like, I don't know. And she's like, touches him. He's like, "Okay, I know. And it's like, I get it, Vince. I mean, I get it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also like how Elliot tries to like get the gun from him, and he's just very easily like put down.
1: Yeah, he's a bitch. I do not understand where this dungeon room was in the airport, though. It has <laughs> chains that you can hook a chair up to to tie someone up in midair. Yeah. I never questioned it as a child, but <laughs> seeing it this time, I was like, what is this place? it's it's very odd that that
0: i mean this airport doesn't just have one dungeon room but they have two
1: well that's like a dungeon shed you know
0: oh is that different
1: i think it's a slightly slightly different so um and then immediately after harry crumb gets through security finally he's then able to just get one of those like drivable staircases to get up to a a a plane and with nikki like driving it
0: okay but probably the best part of the movie kicks on when uh i need a hero starts playing and they're driving that around
1: absolutely i uh, i love that song in this um he and you know that song's playing the whole time until he gets on the plane They knock a a baggage car into the crazy bad guy and it kills him, supposedly. I guess that's what we think happens. Um, And then it just completely lines up perfectly with the door to the plane and he hits into it and knocks it over.
0: I thought there was like a 50 to 1 chance that that was not the correct plane.
1: Right. And then once again... Vince has just walked onto the plane with a gun. He pulls it on him and he's like, I must warn you, Vince Barnes. I know a And he's like doing all these moves and uh, the stepmom's just like, would you just fucking shoot him already?
0: <laughs> and then he's knocked out by his shoes.
1: But also too, like, you can't shoot a guy on a plane and then think, oh, I'll just get rebooked on the next flight to Buenos Aires.
0: <laughs> maybe that's his hesitation. That's Maybe that's what he was thinking about, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, once you pull the gun, you're in a a bit of a, a pickle. At, right after this, you finally see the cops show up to arrest these guys, and I'm like, oh, man. Like, finally? Like, where have you guys been? I do love the very ending of this, the, the next part, where he finds Elliot. He can, like, hear Elliot, which, once again, so he disarms Vince, gets them arrested, and then his super hearing, he finds Elliot, right? Of so course. he has... He has become a better PI. And he's just like, Elliot, you know, you doubted me. I figured this whole thing out. I need you to give me the credit I deserve. And takes the tape off and (laughs) Elliot just completely admits to the crime, which no one knew he committed. Although like as an adult, I'm like the stepmom and Vince would have totally fucking sold you out.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like
1: you're. You're going to jail no matter what. Well, the
0: way the way Harry Crumb comes in and he's like, I know everything. I solved it. It makes it makes one think. Well, it would make Elliot think that he knows it was him. Does that make sense? Yes. Right. So in a way, I was like. "Okay, he must think that he's caught, so he's just going to confess so that he can get as far away from John Candy as possible. It reminds me of those other like movies that are like, oh, I'll just confess if I never have to hear, what am I thinking of? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, I'll just confess if I never have to hear you again. And then somehow they get into a situation where like now they have to hear them for like the rest of their jail time.
1: It's making sense, but I don't, I don't know exactly what you're talking about, but I, I I kind of, it jogs my memory.
0: Yeah. So some situational thing like that. Um, yeah i mean look i'll admit there's there's some really really funny parts in this film um specifically two Uh, one and a half but uh, overall i just i just didn't like the film as as far as (sighs) pacing goes i guess
1: yeah and i thought some of the jokes could be better it also ends like one (laughs) the dad is like oh you know i want to thank you and uh and he gives him a check and he's like oh your kind words are enough and this enormous check <laughs> but he's now become the president and this last joke is i don't know if it's more or less offensive than the the bombay air conditioning but he gets a call and he's like have you ever been to san francisco he's like oh yeah san francisco and he's like have you been to the bottoms up club he's like oh i know the bottoms up club he's like oh so you've been he's like What? No, no, I've never been there. (laughs) And then you find out, like, it's a drag club. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I don't know how I feel about this joke, like you said, but uh, it's another one of his disguises.
1: Right. And I I do like that he brought in his assistant from Tulsa.
0: Bring the team back together, yeah.
1: Yeah. And then she's like, all right, good luck, Harry. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to need it. And We never got a, a two. I assume it would have started out with, uh, you know, with him at the San Francisco Club. At the Bottoms Up Club? It. Yeah, I don't yeah, know.
0: I, You know what? Honestly, David, I can completely see why we never got a two.
1: Yeah. Um, Like I said earlier, I don't know that I would have liked this movie if I watched it for the first time today. Uh, watching it again, it brought so, back so many, like, nostalgic memories for me. Like, so many things that happened in this movie. It's like, oh, I remember that. I remember that. I remember that. And I don't even know, like, how many times I watched this when I was a kid. But it was a ton. And it, it's also, like... And I don't know this if this happens to a lot of other people, right? But when you say John Candy, people will be like, oh, planes, trains, and automobiles. Uncle Buck... Spaceballs, even your you know your home alones right and obviously i saw home alone but i didn't see space balls until like a year ago and i still haven't seen plane trains and automobiles and uncle buck but for some reason i loved who's harry crumb and i don't know why um but i'm glad i forced you to watch it so uh that. And and the other thing that'll be interesting, too, is because we're doing There's Something About Mary Next, right? And that is, I think, 1999. So that is a comedy that is now 23 years old. Yes. And and I'm curious how that comedy will have aged because it's exactly 10 years younger, I guess, than Who's Harry Crumb?
0: Yeah. I mean, from what I can remember, I when I think back on There's Something About Mary... I just am laughing at myself, laughing to myself right now because I'm thinking, oh, my God, this scene is hilarious and this scene is hilarious. However, I haven't seen this movie in a while. So I cannot promise you, David, (laughs) that all the jokes have aged very well in that movie either.
1: I I know of some that did not, uh, probably mostly surrounding her brother. So.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's I completely forgot about her brother. But yeah, exactly. Exactly that.
1: Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David.
0: And this is Alon, And I finally watched Who's Harry Crumb?